Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. My name is David. Back again with Andrew, second episode in a row. Andrew, how you doing? I'm good, man. Had a great week watching the football. Um, I'm excited to talk about it and give some takes. Let's start off right away then. Go with your first take. I know you're hungry and you're ready and you want to make people mad already. Oh, already. Well, I don't think this is some, so much of a hot take as it is a fact, but Inter-Miami is in a lot of trouble. Um, and we're not just talking the fact that they got obliterated by DC United 3-0 this weekend. But obviously, the news came out that they, they didn't have three DPs. And no, they didn't even have four, but they had five DPs last year <laughs> on the squad, which is just ludicrous. And MLS came out with all of their findings for it um, and absolutely docked them um, a lot of money and a lot of future money, which I think is more important. Uh, which a lot of people haven't been talking about, which is surprising. But obviously, they got the $2 million fine. Um, they're not going to lose any points, and they're not going to have a postseason win. But I think what's bad for them, especially for a new team, is that they're going to lose $2.2 million in allocated salaries for the 2022 and 2023 season. And that is going to wreck them. That's like 25% of their money for salaries just completely gone. Um, and it's going to be hard to build a squad that you can have a team, you know, perform at a high level in MLS, especially considering there's a lot of good teams now in MLS. Um, example, uh, you know, Austin this year being a new expansion team and being able to get out results. Um, but I think the, the product on the field is terrible. They use the old way of kind of creating an MLS roster, you know, solid players, maybe a couple above average. And then one aging superstar. And maybe that worked, you know, 20, 10 years ago when you became an MLS franchise. But the likes of Atlanta and LAFC and now Austin show that that's not the case anymore. You can't do that if you're going to be an expansion team and expect to compete. And they got absolutely obliterated, obviously, by DC United, like I said. But they've got long-term issues coming up. And I just don't see how they can be competitive for the next few years. My question is, what... Like when they were doing all of this, what were they thinking? Were they thinking they were not going to get caught? Were they thinking there wasn't going to be yeah. any, any consequences? Like, look, you can, you right, let's say they're doing it right. In their mind, they had to have thought about it. Hey, they're going to find out that we're going to get in trouble. Why do it? What was the whole point of doing it? Because you wanted to create a big buzz in your first season, which by the way, you failed miserably. Like, what was the whole point behind it of not following the rules? Look, I understand MLS has a lot of rules that needs to be changed to um, uh, GAM, TAM, money, all of that, right? DPs, all of that. But there are rules. They're still there. The rules are still mm -hmm. there. Even if you're a hot team or an attractive team coming in, an attractive location, uh, well-known owner or uh, minority owner by David Beckham, et cetera, et cetera, you had to think of the consequences. What did you think was going to happen? You can't act shocked or surprised. No, I agree. I just, I don't understand, like, I, I agree with you 100%, David. Like, it doesn't make any sense why they thought they could get away with it. Like, if they had been a couple thousand dollars over or something like that, then I can understand that. But they were, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars over the TAM line. And the thing that's also confusing about it, well, is it was all run by Paul um, McDonough or whatever his last name is, who literally started Atlanta United um, as their, like, CEO, COO. So, like, he understood how to create rosters. He understood the rules that MLS had. This is not some European guy coming out of nowhere saying, hey, I didn't understand the rules or whatever. I mean, even though you should understand the rules. But this was a, you know, bona fide MLS veteran 
who made, you know, Atlanta and then went to Inter and then did this and thought he would get away with it. It's just mind-blowing to me. Do you agree with the sanctions? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I think they got off a little bit easy. Like, I think the 2.2 in allocated salaries is a pretty, hard, you know, good slap to the wrist because um, that's going to be hard for them to get more players or quality players um, in the squad. I would have liked to see a postseason ban, um, but I think that would have been really extreme, and I think that would have been played out in the litigation courts for a long period of time. So I guess this is maybe the best that we could have found from MLS. It is the harshest thing MLS has ever done, in my recollection, to a, uh, a franchise. So I think that's good, um, but I think they could have gone a little bit. Andrew, last episode, I criticized Atlanta United by not having a clean sheet. One clean sheet in the last four games. They were up 2-0 against Nashville. They let Nashville score two goals in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Uh, you cannot be playing like that. I told you guys last game that Nashville was going to come out with everything because Nashville's uh, an attacking team now. They like to score. They had like 18 shots, if I'm not mistaken, or 16 shots. Two goals in 10 minutes, that's unacceptable. You have to protect the back line. You have uh, Bello out, out there. You have... Uh, What's this guy's name? Oh, my God. Um, Robinson back there. They have to do better than that, Andrew. They, they have to be yeah. better. They, they, they're they stacked in the midfield, but they need to have more confidence in the in the defense, and they need to have more. And the more the defense allows this, right, more shots on, the more Guzan starts to get worried, and the more bad Guzan looks as well. Yeah, 100%. I think, I, I mean, I know Nashville is good. I think they're a for real team. Um, they're not, like you said, they're turning into a um, – attacking squad, which is kind of fun to watch and the evolution of that. But um, Atlanta, I mean, the Nashville scored in the 80th and the 83rd minute. You can't give goals like that at the very end of the game, especially to the same player um, over and over. Atlanta, if they're going to make anyone on the East, they just, yeah, I agree with you. They need to have a clean sheet or at least show that they can defend a lead, which at the moment they can't even do that. It, 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 it was observed um, the, way, the way they lost the lead. Um, they just need to more confidence to happen back in that line because if they keep it up, they will not be any confident at all. And they're going to be facing two good teams after the, the break is over, international break is over. Uh, New York City, if I'm not mistaken, and New York Red Bulls, um, if I have that right. But they, they got to be more sharp back there. Um, but yeah, that's my take. It's a simple take, but because uh, I really talked about them in the last episode, I'll let you with your, with your second take. Yeah, perfect. Um, my second take is that Toronto is in for a very long season this year. Um, they do not look good at all. They look very lost. I think the loss of Vanny, the head coach, leaving Toronto and going to the LA Galaxy um, has been a detrimental blow. And obviously now we find out that it sounds like the new manager, um, Armas and Altidore have an issue. <laughs> and Altidore might have played his last game for Toronto already. Um, so they've got a lot going on. They just, they do not look good. There are only two teams ahead of uh, Toronto, and that is the Chicago Fire and FC Cincinnati. So that, that is not a place that you want to be in the Eastern Conference at the moment. Um, they just, I know they're not playing in Toronto and I bet that's really hard for them and, um, they're going to have to deal with that, but assume for the whole season, like last year, but they, they are not working together. The midfield looks very lost. The back line is just woeful. They're giving away easy goals. Um, and then if you lose your captain and you're more or less your leader on the squad, in Altidore because he's having an issue with the manager. It just speaks to me that there's problems 
within the club that people just don't know about, obviously on a training pitch. Um, and they're going to get worse if they lose Altidore for the rest of the year. They, they need Pozuelo back as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And so that is part of it most likely as well that, you know, they're struggling with without him on the field and because he is a playmaker and he can find all that space and the, the correct things and exactly what they need to do on the field. But they just, they're not good right now. And it's surprising considering, you know, Toronto has been kind of the same thing um, on the Eastern Conference as Seattle has been on the Western Conference as, as far as like a dynasty. Um, you know, they won the treble a few years ago, um, but they just right now they're just they look very lost and confused and i think the new system is not working with them right now and i think they're just in for a very long season this year you think chris almost stays throughout the season yeah i bet i would i would have to, he, i would think you would have to i know in this culture and today like we want people fired asap all the time but i think in soccer especially when you have a new manager especially um one that has a different system from the manager that you had previous you have to give it at least a, a season or two um, to actually see results. Um, I mean, if he, if he's, if they're dead last in the Eastern conference, then I don't know, maybe he does get canned after this year. Um, but I would, I would say he's his say, I would say his seat is safe, but at the moment, who knows? It, it could go a, a lot of different ways for Toronto. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting to see that. Do, do you see them making the playoffs? Toronto? No way. Not not the Toronto I see currently. There's no way they make it. No, I think I think of of the teams that are towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now, we've got New York, um, Red Bulls, then DC United, Inner Toronto, Chicago, and then FC Cincinnati. And I of those teams I just listed, uh, New York and DC have the best chance of making it into the playoffs. There's no way that Toronto, with the form that they're in and the the play that they've had lately. Um, there's no way they make it in. Colorado Rapids, four wins in the last five games. Barrios has been crazy good for them. They had a hard time last year scoring goals, creating chances. But this year, under uh, the coach, uh, I believe uh, he came from Toronto as well, um, mm-hmm. they, they look like a different team. They look like a more confident team. In the back line as well, they look like a more confident team. Barrios came out to help that midfield. Even without Kevin Acosta, they were able to uh, to beat um, they're the rivals this weekend. I believe the score, if I'm not mistaken, let me see here. One second. If I'm not mistaken, the score was three two. I'm sorry, three one, three zero, three zero against three FC now. Dallas. Yep. Sorry, FC Dallas having a hard time. Everybody knows that. But the Rapids are good. They beat Dynamo three one. They beat Dallas three zero. They beat Vancouver one zero. They beat Minnesota three two. They lost to LAFC, which is a tough opponent. And you know your team two one. Uh, they gave them a good game. They face Cincinnati after the break, and they face Sporting KC and Seattle Sounders. Cincinnati, the way Colorado are playing, I can they, they can take them. But then the real test for them comes against Sporting KC and against the Seattle Sounders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the the Rapids obviously, uh, obviously a lot of people don't know this, but I was born and raised in Colorado, so uh, I've been following the Rapids. I never was a big fan of them. So um, when when I moved to Los Angeles. Um, and then LAFC came around, obviously supported them instead. But they're a fun team to watch right now. I think it's great. I think they're gone through a massive rebuilding phase, which has been really good for them. Um, and actually to see them put the results together. And, you know, they've won. Yeah, they've won a lot. Um, they've won, yeah, four of the last five. That's fantastic. That's a, a team that's in good form right now. Um, my question to you, David, is do you think the Rapids can finish in one of the top three spots on the West? Not three. Uh, they Not they're gonna three. be six six spot. 
Um, they're using six, the six, six fifth spot. But I like the way they're playing. They're playing very confident. Um, they trust their back line, which is which is very important in, in MLS because you know the back lines in MLS are horrible. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I like the process they have in. Like you said, it's it's good and it's exciting to see that, and I'm happy for them. And we'll, we'll see what comes after the break, because you know, after international breaks, a lot of teams change. Yeah, that's true. The international break, especially this international break, this is a long international break. Um, the fact that I don't think I think there's only there's a weird random game on the 12th, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it's only two teams playing, Sporting versus Austin, and then everyone else comes back on uh, June 18th or 19th. Um, so it's a long break for all of these teams. So yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see what the break is for these teams, especially the teams that have done good, like the Rapids or teams. My next take would be um, hitting the panic button, and that would be LAFC is firmly hitting whoa, the panic button right now. Whoa, there! <laughs> you have to, you have to say it. I mean, I don't want to say it because I'm obviously a supporter, but I was actually at the game on Saturday. Um, took my dad which was super fun it was the first time um we've ever been to a professional soccer game together which is you know interesting when you've watched hundreds of games on tv together um but lafc is in a lot of trouble and the fact that they only have out of the six games that they've played so far they only have eight points that's the most wofo i ever remembered lafc being at the beginning of the season but the reason we have to hit the panic button is the defense are making really dumb decisions on the back line, and the midfield is pretty bad right now. Mark Anthony K, you know, it's kind of it's split in the middle right now of what people think. Uh, he's kind of good at some points, but he was not very good um, passing the ball. They're not making good decisions um, on, you know, how to get Carlos Bella and Rossi uh, involved. And the problem with this team, and it's always been the problem with this team, is if Vela and Rossi have an off day, which they kind of did on Saturday, how does this team perform? And unfortunately, uh, New York City took advantage and uh, came back and won that game, and they rightly won it um, because LAFC just did not play very well, and I, I you have to hit the panic button with them right now. That's a tough one. Uh, quick question as the LAFC fan, as a LAFC correspondent for MLS Now podcast. LAFC doesn't win the cup this year. Is Bob Raleigh on the hot seat? I think Bob Bradley's out if we win the cup this year. Um, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, never talk about another man's job sort of uh, idea. But this this is fourth season of LAFC. Uh, our goal has been to win the MLS Cup every single season. And, you know, last year, COVID, weird year. Totally understand that. Get bounced in the first round, obviously, versus Seattle. Then, you know, two years ago, we get bounced by Seattle again, in the Western Conference Finals, and then obviously in the first year. Um, so, I, yeah, I think LAFC... So I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry. You, you cut off there when you said obviously. It was probably, the, yeah, I was, sorry. I was just saying um, after, you know, if they lose, they've lost in all the playoff games at home versus Seattle and then obviously Real Salt Lake. So if they don't win this year, he has to go because the, the whole season is, that's our goal. And we are not even hitting that goal right now. Um, so at that point, we have to find a way to be able to change the identity of this team. Um, we're going to lose Rossi, obviously, at some point. We're going to lose Atuesta. We're losing our big playmakers and bringing in right now a bunch of, feels like a bunch of USL players, which is fine. They're solid individuals, but they're not able to make that big step that you need to make, like a Seattle or like a Toronto back in the day, 
um, when they were in the MLS Cup. So I, I don't know. Yeah, if we don't win it, uh, I think Bradley has. To. So you're saying if they don't win it, you said Bradley has to go. Has to go. Yep, hundred percent. All right, my take: Minnesota United have only scored three goals in the last three games. They're having a hard time creating chances. Having a hard time scoring. They brought in reinforcements from Boca Junior. And Reynoso is having a hard time connecting with them. How do you see them? Because honestly, you know, that's not going to be enough if you want to make it into the playoffs. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They're an interesting club. I think, I mean, I talked about them a little bit last week about how, you know, they're, they're starting to find their winning form a little bit. You know, they had won the last two on the trot. Obviously, the trot, uh this week kind of stops that momentum a little bit. But they're not scoring goals. And I think you're dead on about that. I'm looking at the um, the in-depth soccer analysis from uh, football reference guide and they at the moment obviously have only scored let's see they've scored six goals right now which is obviously not good it's actually towards the bottom of the western conference but their expected goal value is only 9.2 which tells me that they're taking a lot of shots which is great but they're underperforming and getting the ball in the back of the net so if they get reinforcements uh, throughout the year especially with the player that you just said and, you know, he can finally get in form and they can start scoring goals. And I think this team is actually good and could get into the playoff mix. Yes. And they'd be a scary playoff team. But at the moment, I think they're, like I said last week, they're the most disappointing team of the season. So very true. Very, very true. Any last take or any other take you have? Uh, yeah. My last take is not soccer related. It is Jersey related. And I just want everyone to know that I really hate these kids that we had this weekend. Because the the, the the recycle ones or whatever they're called. Yeah, about it. I live in Santa Barbara. We literally created, you know, Earth Day um, for the entire world. But um, I really hate these kids and for <laughs> multiple reasons. But I, I think MLS sometimes is just a joke when it comes to, you know, just trying to squeeze every dollar of every kit. And this is one way that they do it. But it's like teams that don't have blue in their logo whatsoever are wearing blue jerseys which just makes no sense to me whatsoever and then all the teams look the same so I'm, as i was watching highlights today and getting ready for this podcast i was like wait didn't i already watch this game no i didn't because the teams are all wearing the same jerseys so that's my hot take i hate these jerseys and i'm glad we only have to wear them once that's, a year that's a real crazy hot take uh real quick before, <laughs> before we finish off uh usa lost two to one how did you see that game um friendly's International friendlies are always interesting to me. I mean, I thought they played really well at the beginning. Legit scored for the United States. That's always really nice. He scored six of the last nine games, which is fantastic. Um, I think, you know, it's obviously a very heavy European roster with only four MLS players, I'm pretty sure, on the squad. Um, obviously, And, and, and the one showing up is the MLS player. Yeah, I know, right? It's the, one, it's the MLS player, I know. Dentz had did not have a good game on the back line, which was uh, kind of a disappointment to see, considering he's a regular starter for Barcelona. Um, and I thought the midfield was a little bit kind of over the place, which was a bummer. Um, it doesn't give me a little bit of a pause. No going creativity. Into, no creativity. Yeah, no creativity. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, if this is Bearhalter Bar Ball, then it's like, okay, well, that's not great. Um, but we have we have a big game on Thursday, like actually a big game um, for the first time in quite some time for the U.S. men's national team. And so, you know, we, we need a win versus Honduras on Thursday in the in the Nations League in Colorado and to hopefully set up a final for either Costa Rica or Mexico on Sunday. So I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting. I don't put a lot of thought into friendlies just because I know it's where you can start working things out. But 
I was worried the creativity thing. I think you're dead on David, but it's also like lack of passion sometimes with friendlies, which I understand because it doesn't mean anything. And at some point yeah, it, you it, do have to split the, the lack switch, of urgency though. is the lack of urgency that they were not having. Cause I, I almost fell asleep watching the game. I won't lie to you. Oh yeah. No, I was very passively watching it. It was not a very uh, entertaining game. Um, I just think sometimes what drives me nuts about the U.S. men's national team is just, yeah, the lack of urgency. Like someone needs to flip the switch and just be like, hey, guys, we need to play with like maybe some intensity today. And then I think they'd be really good. But like if they continue this lack of urgency during friendlies, is that lack of urgency going to continue when the big games happen like this week and the Nations League? And it's like it, if you keep on doing one thing the same way and lack of urgency, that's going to happen in the big games as well. So I have a little bit of pause, obviously, uh, going into the game on Thursday. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. Hopefully, uh, you know, we always wish the best to them. But, yeah, uh, exciting stuff going on in the league. There's a break, but we'll have episodes coming out for you guys. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Another short episode, but exciting episode. It's always good to talk MLS. Once again, let the people know where they can follow you on Twitter. Yep, go ahead and follow me at AP Doran. That's D-O-R-A-N. Go, if you can, support your local soccer bar. Uh, this week while the uh, U.S. is playing. If you're a member of the American Outlaws like myself, go go to your bar and go support them. I know all of them are struggling right now post-COVID. So go have some beers with some friends and uh, root on the red, white, and blue. Vamos MLS, vamos USA, vamos MLS Now podcast. Guys, thank you for always joining us. Thank you for always listening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll have more episodes coming out for you during the break as well. Stay tuned. Thank you for your support. Andrew, till next time. Cheers, buddy.